0: goes back first to the ground for all the days long ball, free drive on the back it's got every heart is beating true and blue for the red and blue after 57 long years the demons are premiers in 2021 lastly after 57 years of pain it's coming home
1: Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans by D's fans as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by, oh, hang on, this Premiership episode is proudly brought to you by our amazing sponsors, Hop Brewing in Lilydale. Make sure you get down there and check out their amazing brews. My name is Tim. Fucking hell simo we are premiers. 19 1964 last time that we won a premiership <laughs> we've just come off the back of watching the replay for the well for me the fourth time for you the third time we we have delayed a little bit in releasing this pod we've really taken every opportunity this week to just let it all soak in because it's still hard to believe that the d's are the premiers in 2021 it's all surreal, mate. How's this week been for you? How's the feeling settling in? Does it seem real yet, mate? I think after watching it for the third time now, I think it's
0: kind of sat in. But like, all I can think about is how good it'd be to see the Premiership Cup with those players and just just lap it all up with the boys. Like it's, mate. I would. I didn't think the thought that ten years ago will we just a basket case and to think that where we've come from from to now is it, it's emotional. It's we've gone through a lot of heartache to get to where we are now. And I think just like from everyone, supporters, players, you know, all medical staff, I love talking about everyone because it's a together approach. We talk, spoke about it with Kate Roffey earlier in the year and mate, we've all come together to make this a real life, real life thing. It's, it's, just something that will never go out of my mind. And look, I think it's I've, I've got fifty percent fulfillment in my life. I think the other fifty percent will come from a real life premiership in uh in the flesh. But um I, I can't I can't say anything bad about winning a flag, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's
1: amazing. There's nothing bad about it. I think yeah, it's it's certainly unique circumstances in the way that it, it, it occurred and. It's, yeah, as you mentioned there, like, it's a, it's pretty unfortunate. And I've been pretty big on it the last couple of weeks, just the whole finals atmosphere and something that these fans are missing out on in terms of being a part of that. But I think just taking away from the fact that Saturday night occurred, the D's and the fashion that, that it happened, the way that the game unfolded and the fact that we did have the two best teams for 2021 facing off against each other and what was really tipped to be an all-time classic and, and probably everyone really thought that it was going to be a close game, but nobody was able to foresee what was about to transpire in that game, especially, you know, with one minute to go in the third quarter. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I really just like the whole reason for delaying this thing was, was really about, I I know for myself and for you, is is trying to just comprehend exactly what happened because (laughs) (laughs) we spoke about it at the start. Well, you spoke about it, a couple weeks ago about just even just jumping on the podcast and even just getting bored on on all of this and what a year to to get on board and because we thought we needed to get pretty amped up to this podcast not well we didn't need to but we wanted to we wanted to come off the back of watching it again watching it together really just embracing the moment and, and and really yeah trying to let all the emotions really sink in because it's been one of those things that yeah we've been starved of that atmosphere a little bit, but everybody's been doing their bit and being able to yeah wear the colours and it it's it's just incredible. It's um it's an amazing feeling. I've, I've worn red and blue every day this week, as I'm sure many of us have. Just the little incidental conversations that I've had with people on the street. No, but people I have I don't know. It's. I, you know, I went for a walk Sunday afternoon, and I was I was crossing the road at pedestrian crossing, and I had a lady who had her windows down, and myself and Harper all decked out in red and blue, and she starts pumping grand old flag, the checkers remix, just yeah, you know, absolute fist pumping. I was just like, fuck, this is this is the best thing ever. Can you tell us, Simo, just from from your state, what did you do Saturday night? How was the lead into the game? We obviously had a bit of a chat with the Pressure Point boys the other night, but. How did you like? How did you prepare for the game? What was what was your feelings around it?
0: Well, <clears throat> well, obviously being in Melbourne, you can't do a lot, so <clears throat> you have to sort of work out what you're going to do with the day. Um, being a night grand final, it sort of made it a bit interesting, and also made the wait so so long. So I ended up going to the partner's house, who you know she's a Collingwood supporter, but grew up being a Melbourne supporter, and then you know things changed, you know little bits and throws and everything. But to be honest, I couldn't be around my, well, my dad's a Melbourne supporter, but my mum's a Bulldog supporter. So I made it really, really interesting in terms of choosing where to be grand final day. And it was, it was a bloody long wait, two weeks to, to see the boys be in action. Like, you know, there's a lot of talk around, you know, 28 days since your last game. Like, you know, what will that matter? But, you know, we've had that time to really get around each other. I think as, as D's, D, I think the D's had a chance to, you know, really bond together. And I think they've got that, just, just the perfect mentality, which obviously will showcase later on that, you know, no matter where we are in the game, like we can flip th- the script and, you know, play the way we want to play. To get the best out of each other, and on the day, mate, I tell you what. In the sec, oh, we'll go through a little bit more. But in sh- in short story, I had to do a nudie run because of how amazing it was to to endure
1: the premiership. We're fucking premiers, mate. What the <laughs> hell? We're premiers. So hang on. We, so warm. where was where where did this nudie run take place? And for how long? And what time was this all happening?
0: Uh, well, obviously, you have, to, you have to be respectful to the players after the game. You know, <laughs> watch, the, watch, the, watch the aftermath and uh, decide to strip off, which, funnily enough, in front of my uh, future father-in-law and mother-in-law, which was probably a little bit of a dulling moment, but they were all about it. Um, Wrapped the scarf uh, around the old fellas and went for a trundle down the street. Funnily enough, uh, I got some good friends the next straight down probably shouldn't have done it but ran into the house (laughs) blasting the melbourne theme song on my speaker went in went out come back it was one for the ages i I knew i was going to do it because how often does this come around mate it's no i can't comprehend how amazing this feeling is and i think d supporters are going to be celebrating this for a very very long time and Know, I just hope that you know when it comes to December time or when November, whenever Kate Roffey and also you know the restrictions allow us to, that we can actually celebrate this in the flesh and we can get around the boys and you know they can really feel you know what it's like to be us in, in the moment where you know obviously we didn't get to see it hand in hand, but I think we they'll understand how much impact it's had on our lives, especially during this really tough time. And you know, we just hope. You know in the future that they can win one right in front of our eyes because i tell you what that's that's when the tears will start really flowing
1: it probably didn't take until watching it again sunday morning first thing waking up and and i think that's when the emotions really set in was was probably re-watching it and saturday night like personally i was watching it on my own really like Pam went to bed had dad and my brother on the zoom call but you know without TV aerial watching on seven plus I was about 45 seconds behind which really sucked in that sense because I wasn't be able to experience some of the same things as what they were experiencing but you know just just the the chats and the conversations that we have and the memories that we were sharing up up until about one thirty a.m on on Saturday night was was so special like it's it's obviously really unique the situation that we were in and unfortunate that we couldn't all be together even to watch it at home to be together um let alone being at the ground but it was one of those things that yeah re-watching it was where i think everything really sort of truly sunk in and even now watching it again i mean you and me just then could, could sit back and just really enjoy watching the game and we knew everything that was about to unfold but i think the history that's gone down the way that the players just stood up and and just Accept the fact that the demons are premiers, which is still sounds weird to say. The fact that, as you said, ten years ago, five years ago, we're looking at being from yeah 2018, where you're being on a high, made the prelim, then get spanked, and then the second, and then the year after, you finish second last. Like you just wasn't ex- sure what to expect from this club, but I think it's such a such a testament to the club and to the leadership behind the club and to everything that everyone's built towards that we are now we're destined for for sustained success now i think we're not looking at a team that is just good for for one we're looking at a team that i've i don't want to say geelong-esque from 07 but but it's i think with the age demographic that we've got like there's no reason why we can't be up and around it for the next 10 years honestly where we're going to be in a really successful time for the Melbourne Football Club. And hopefully, as you mentioned, like, don't get me wrong, there's people out there that would love to just see one premiership, regardless of whether it's at the G or not. And yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I can die happy to say, yeah, we saw, saw them win the flag. It'd be absolutely cherry on top to be there and to witness it and to be part of that atmosphere. And I know that they're, they're like the players in the club, they all know how much back in Melbourne, how much everybody... probably a little bit hurting that we're not there but they understand how much it means to us and it's been such a yeah so such a massive part of it but i think we can continue to go on to this but we we probably should move to the game because it was such a cracking game and unique in the way that it really unfolded because if you look at it it's probably not besides our final series you wouldn't really describe it as a melbourne as a typical melbourne game would you given how strong our defensive work has been all year there's no way that this is the typical melbourne game and i think i'm so proud to think that melbourne have found another way to win they just found another gear because this game really didn't it didn't reek of probably the defensive melbourne that we've seen all this year and it just goes to show it's it's a completely different ball game for finals and and melbourne turned up and we were able to find the right gear at the right time and absolutely blew the doggies out of the water 100%.
0: I think in this game, we'll be able to unpack the four quarters and, you know, the feeling around those four quarters and, you know, really marvel on those players that have really, you know, set the tone, especially early and then, you know, at those crucial moments, especially in the third quarter.
1: All right, mate. Well, obviously, the biggest nerves I know for me was just leading up to the first bounce. I think I was all right during the day, but I think an hour beforehand, just just waiting for the game to start was probably the worst feelings in terms of the nerves really came to show. And I was yeah, pacing the house, just trying to keep myself busy. But let's think about it. Let's start it. First quarter, what what was your first instincts? What did you, you see happen? What unfolded?
0: Look, to be honest, even the start of the game, I don't know if I gave away... Oh, more so it was Clary. They go by the first record start, but Vonnie was right into those midfielders. And you can see that he was just destined, destined to do whatever he could to get the win. Um, I think a lot of the players like were very, very structurally minded in terms of defense. Um, I know we ended up kicking four goals, five to one goal, two in the first quarter. Um, You know, there's a couple of misses in Langdon and Ben Brown towards the end, which could have, you know, really blown the game out in the first quarter. Um, but I feel like we really set the tone early. Big hits, May, um, even Brayshaw doing all these extra things. One percenters. You, you knew the Ds were right in at the start. But before we go into the second quarter, I feel like it's. You know it was a really good stepping stone and some an area which i think we were, when we played the bulldogs um back early in the year um we started really well and that sort of set the tone for the game so again we did that and uh yeah it'll be here interesting to hear your thoughts on the first quarter too
1: we know that fast starts and, and first quarters really have been a bit of an achilles heel for the d's all year and it's been something that we've been preaching that we needed to improve on and They got off to the perfect start. You're right, we missed a couple of early opportunities, but at the end of the day, we still had a a commanding lead at the end of the first quarter. And we saw our, you know, really our mainstays of the team got off to a great start in terms of Petrarca being able to get us that first goal off one step, you know, from 50 metres, which is, again, was a precursor to his entire game. But the only like probably the only things that really sort of stood out like Maisie was probably was probably the, the first instance where you sort of realised that yeah okay he's looking pretty ginger and a little bit proppy and he definitely wasn't hundred percent but we just got a great fast start got the jump on the dogs which is as as you mentioned earlier like it's what we did earlier in the season and it was certainly something that we needed to wrestle momentum and we had it all the way going into quarter time so. I thought that, yeah, Clary looked a little bit nervy at, at the start there, gave away that first free kick and just a little bit hurried, but that's always going to be the case. And, you know, first first five minutes in a grand final, these these nerves are going to play out and there's going to be some, you know, some shank kicks and that was all sorts of thing. We thought like Coszy at the same time, whilst it was quiet around the ball, he's still, his pressure was still elite and still... Grave some really opportunity, some really great chase, and really great tackles, and allowed um, you know Fritz to get on top of a couple as well too, um, early on as well. I think the the pressure and the intensity, and getting back to D's footy, we talked about being our brand and really sort of bringing our brand on the game day. Our high pressure and our intensity certainly was there, even though it wasn't clean. That the pressure was there, and both sides were fumbling the ball, but the D's were just a- able to get the reward on the scoreboard.
0: Hundred percent, and I think looking towards the second quarter, I feel like at quarter time, I feel we're really in the game. Um, obviously, the fast starts have been a big thing. Um, if we can get a side sort of second guessing themselves and having to move the move the magnets around uh, at an early stage, it really makes for, you know, us to be able to flip the script pretty quick. Which um, obviously, we'll unpack a little bit later. But going into the second quarter, mate, it, it was interesting to see a couple of early goals from Trelaw and. You know, they really set the tone with a couple contested grabs by the bond. It sort of made, you know, the quarter's been interesting. I feel like a couple of missed chances. I mean, obviously, Gorney's set shot was, you know, the goal was at a point. It makes it interesting. But the Doggies did get the better of us in the second quarter, which, you know, as Melbourne supporters in the past, like, we man, we will just like, oh, crap. Like, what's, what's going to unfold from here? Is it going to go down the wire or is it you know, obviously, um, later than the track, you'll find out what happened, but, um, you know, what, what was going to unfold from here? You know, it's, it was such a weird moment. I feel like, you know, when you kick four goals to one in the first quarter to, you know, have the flip script and be down by eight at half time, you're thinking, hmm, you know, why does that happen? I feel like, you know, the is, you know, really killed us at ground level, which made it really interesting to see how it would impact. I think, Ma- obviously, Maisie with that t- six centimetre tear on the, uh, on the old hammy um, come to show a couple of times. Sorry, I've got to put this in there, but to keep naughty to one goal um, with a six centimetre tear in your hamstring, you're doing pretty well, mate.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely. I think the Bulldogs were... Up with us as, as we mentioned they're the best team in the comp all year and we knew that they were always going to bring a response that they're, they're, they're such a great side they're they're very balanced they've got a mixture of you know vets and, and also some some really young talent as well too and even under the first quarter you know that they're, they're always going to come back to bite and and they did. They stormed home in that second quarter. And whether the day sort of maybe took the pedal off a little bit, but I think the Bulldogs, as you mentioned before, got a, got a hold on the ground ball. And we've known from the from that qualifying final against Brisbane, that's where Melbourne's defense can be quite vulnerable. Is when the you know the offense isn't isn't predictable. They're not kicking high and long. And it, it, this is a game where Lever and May's intercept wasn't you know it wasn't prevalent. It wasn't somewhere where we could affect the ball and looking at the end of the result it didn't it didn't factor it in the way but the way that they were able to score was off ground balls and and that happened against brisbane and it also showed against this as well too because it's very unpredictable where we're sort of reacting to the play and and we're scrambling a little bit and and you had bont kicking a couple of goals you had Trelaw kicking a couple of goals off ground balls they just got on top of the clearances and the contested ball and the D's just sort of really sagged off a little bit and and looked a little bit shell-shocked in their own probably whether they felt comfortable at quarter time, I'm, I'm not quite sure that. I, I still think the dogs, being such a good side as they are, were always going to respond in that way. But, yeah, they, they really got on top of those areas. And, and they were you know looking in the fourth half. They were about 65% in that fourth half of that second quarter as well too. A couple of good D's moments in that second quarter. I think Benny Brown just well, – I'm sure we'll talk, touch on him later. But, look – what a what a story really for Ben Brown and, and for the entire game that he played, but he kicked the sole goal for the G's in that quarter just to steady us on, to bring it back to nine points, even though that that lead gets relinquished towards the end of the quarter. But what a play he's been, what a pickup he's been. It's been such a story all year about where that Melbourne forward line's going and in terms of what's the right mix, who's gonna be in there, is it Wiedemann? is it Brown, is it McDonald? What mix is going to work well? But far out, like to kick three goals in a grand final and to compete at the, at, at the contest and really make sure that he's he's working hard and bringing the ball to ground when he does, he just played such an outstanding game. And, and yeah, a huge moment in that second quarter, even though that we didn't have any of the momentum with us in that stage, I thought that he was fantastic. I think Rivers, again, played some really good footy in the first half. He won some really crucial contests and just never... You know, was never giving up for for a kid that hasn't even turned 20 yet. It's just incredible, and yeah, we are certainly at the mercy of the bond. Like, certainly had the you know one one hand on the cup, the other hand on his bloody Norm Smith Medal at leading up to quarter time and sorry half time. Uh, as as BT would have loved because he hates the D's and um and yeah, all, all things were are looking for a tight finish for the second half. But you know, I think. At half time, I know, speaking to my brother and my dad at that time, I was pretty calm. I, I, days have been in certain situations all year. And I sort of thought, yeah, you know what? Like, we've been tested. We've got a long way to go. We know how long these quarters go for. You know, we kick multiple goals. You look at the time. Two minutes have passed. So much time left to go. So, um, no, I, 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 was, I was feeling pretty good at half time in terms of, yep, you know that there's going to be a response. But... It wasn't going to be the be-all and end-all, the demons, and uh, yeah, pretty much, as we're going to touch on after this, third quarter pretty much spells that out word for word.
0: Look, mate, I think, uh, yeah, half time was interesting. I feel like I had to get out of the house and just sort of cool the jets a bit because I think I was pretty, pretty heavily um, pointing the finger a little bit at Jimmy Harms and Tom McDonald. I mean, Tom McDonald, I feel like he could have made a little bit more of an effort to Really impact the contest and actually get involved. I feel like he was, you know, pretty a little bit off it. Um, I feel feel like Harms was in second year as well. So I was hoping to see a response from these two boys coming up in the third quarter, which um, you see some pretty big moments from the both, which uh, <laughs> rectified how I felt about the both. You're about to see greatness, mate. And in, in the third quarter, I couldn't have scripted any better to set to set the game up the way we did. Obviously, for the more than more than half of the first quarter, we. It was sort of this gritting, grinding. Um, I know the doggies kicked two two goals, so we are none. Most were three. We kicked an early point with Fritter in the first, in the third quarter. Sorry, um, thinking, oh yeah, here we go. We can, you know, get ourselves right back in it. Being down by eight points into seven, then found ourselves down by nineteen. And oh, I tell you what, mate, it's um, <laughs> we're about to speak through the greatest quarter of football off premiership
1: quarter football. We've before you before we lifetime. get to that though we, we were watching it before and you said to me and look it was honestly hard to sort of take myself back to the exact moment in time on saturday night but when bond kicks that goal uh you know one and a half post height like what what are you thinking in your head do you like even just re-watching it then i know you know what's about to unfold but was there any doubt that started creeping into your mind like what what were you thinking just then hey, i was thinking like where are we going to find the extra gear
0: because I know we we're t- trying to grind them down for most of the quarter, and they got, you know, the Johanneson, you know, mark, which you know, I'm not a huge fan of, considering how much he pushed Bowie. Good old Bowser. Seventh game wins a flag. How good's that? The fact that, yeah, they go nine and ahead with, what was it, nine minutes, nine and a half minutes to go. You're thinking, okay, where are we going to find the extra gear? Because 19 points, at, you know, midway the third, like, obviously the game is still in the balance, but where. Like, cause we we're just playing board and footy at the time, mate. I'll be honest. And I, I thought, who was going to be the person to just stand up? And we've got this bloke that, oh mate, he, he just, just, I, I, I don't even know how to explain the bloke, but beast is one word, but there's a bloke that just says, I want to win this flag. And he just said, it's out for the taking, mate. And not to be up by 24 at three quarter time, let's unpack it, mate. <laughs> That's I'll leave Hang you to on. it. Hang on, I'll who, leave you to You
1: talk because, I, like, I honestly think if we go back to, there's there's a pivotal point though. It's a couple of pivotal points in the third quarter. But you think about Mitch Hannon wins a free kick about fifty five out, and there's about eleven minutes to go, or just just a tick under eleven minutes. Mitch Hannon elects to handball to Bailey Dale running inside fifty, who then bowls it up, bobbles the ball, and turns it over. Which then leads to the contest between Caleb Daniel and Max Gorn. Which then leads to the infamous Max Max Gorn being thrown to the ground by a five foot one you know, absolute jet. Don't get me wrong, great player. Mitch Hannon's still playing for Melbourne, <laughs> I must I must say. So then we get to the eight forty five minute mark and Fritch kicks his first goal that starts the momentum which from from an extremely amazing gather from James Holmes, who, yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, had some good moments, but also had some questionable moments as well too in the game, who put it out straight in front of him, then kicked back-to-back goals within 20 seconds. And then not to mention Ben Brown, who really put, put the icing on the cake and, and really put us back within one point there with that fantastic floater, taking that grab off a floater from Petrarca, I think it was, out of the mid, out of the midfield if you look back at with 1 minutes go in the third quarter we are down by 6 points Crazy. down by 6 points what? any what? Uh, any other <laughs> any other person what <laughs> any what? person sitting there watching an AFL game thinking right 1 minutes ago 6 points final. Oh, fuck yes i'm 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 we're, in we're looking i'm in we're for looking a fantastic finish this last quarter is going to be an absolute cracker it's going to be a really tight contest the end result is a 74 point win to the melbourne football club now hold up, hold <laughs> off there. Hold up there
0: just stop stop yourself there because the the fourth quarter needs to be its own thing it because- does but
1: before we do that i need to get another oh, beer sorry. so let's let's just let's just uh let's just pause the recording for a sec everyone's gonna touch us back when i get another beer hang on Give, a sec. Me, give me, more. so you're talking about three quarter time in that space of a one minute 24 points up. I think the defining moment, I think Clary's point to the crowd is one of the all-time great AFL images and, and will be etched into the history of the Melbourne Football Club. It's probably the moment where the D's knew that they won a flag because the Doggies looked shell-shocked at that point and I don't think they knew what hit them. We kicked three goals within a minute and before you knew it, like you're looking at the start of the fourth quarter, Ben Brown kicks that goal within 30 seconds of the fourth quarter and we're all all of a sudden with 30 points up and the rest of it's just party time like everybody just wants to get involved in the last quarter and yeah that from that moment and then it's been clearly highlighted in the media from you know that that point in time in the third quarter was 100 points to seven like and I mentioned to you earlier, like it's it's more than the D's have kicked a lot of games this season. And I mentioned about the defensive stuff. It hasn't happened. It was just it was just incredible. And I think oh, that first that first act in the in the last quarter really epitomises my love for Tom Sparrow, for one. Mm-hmm. Oh, you should get <laughs> a Tom Sparrow badge. Oh, I shouldn't. I should get his badge. Um, to go with go with Sparrow and go with Lane's. I love what he did at the start. Like, he obviously kicked that second goal in that in that run on the last minute. But then to start the fourth quarter and to, to spot Ben Brown in space and put it to him, kick to the fat side of the ground and kick to an advantage, and, and Benny Brown took the mark slash got a free kick for either either one. It was just incredible. And from there, it was just, again, I, I honestly think that the Dogs just didn't know what hit him, and they just didn't know how to respond. In their last three games... We've seen probably one of the most the biggest onslaughts of football that this club, yet any club, has ever given to an opponent. Like, have you known Melbourne to put people? How much have we talked about putting him to the, wanting to put him to the sword this season? Oh mate. Uh, we've saved right. it let, for let the me jump We've saved it for the bloody <laughs> when it counts.
0: All right, let me let me hear. I reckon the Melbourne football club is in trouble for animal cruelty.
1: From round 23
0: onwards, we've slayed 46 Geelong players, 23 Brisbane Lions players, and now 23 Bulldogs players. <laughs> we are it's it's just a place where look, I've seen the posters of Gorney with the you know the stake and also the doggy in a mix of all this. You miss a key detail from the third quarter. You say that you know the Clary, the double pointer. Before that, to get us in front, is your Gus Brayshaw to go back with the flight and then kick truly is probably the best thing I've seen. Mate, you've played a fucking blinder. Please make sure there's an E on this uh, this podcast, Tim, because <laughs> you've played a I'm fucking not, blinder. I'm not, I'm not in Angus control Brayshaw? of that.
1: I'm not All in right. control of that.
0: All right. But anyway, Angus Brayshaw, I love you, mate. And please never leave this football club because you're the perfect example. What it's like to be a Melbourne man. You're a man, and the fact that you constantly would say, you know, it's, it's our club. It's yeah, it's amazing. Like I just want to, I just want to hug you, mate. That's what I want to see. I want to hug you. And the fact that you've done what you did in the fourth, in third quarter, even across the whole game, your selfless efforts, your constantly getting back up after getting hit pretty hard. It's it's second and mate. and. The fact that you didn't pull a Norm Smith vote, I'm shouted for you because I think you even said it, mate. You got stitched. Like you were talking to the Premiership Cup, and the Premiership Cup was happy to see you. That's that's saying something, mate. You're you're an absolute legend. I want to see you. That's all well, I want to say.
1: You, you did. We've talked about this year. The D is being able to really embrace this selflessness and really embrace this team role and it and everybody finding their certain niche and on how they're executing their part for the team. And we talked about earlier today, you know, looking at a player who finished third in the Brownlow, equal third in the Brownlow three years ago as an inside mid, who's then now kind of been squeezed out of that role because of the talent that we have, who's now been forced to find himself a new role. And really perfect his role now as a wingman, start the wingers, club, wingers club. Let's the wingers club. But let's let's think about Gus as a winger, how much he compliments Ed Langdon in that sense, because he's so defensively minded. His defensive work has been completely understated a lot this year. There's a couple of moments, especially in that third quarter. I mean, and it's not it does not go unseen by Demon supporters and, and local supporters as well, too. Sorry, footy supporters his courage and just he's willing to be able to take a beating, to take a hit. Like there's numerous times where he took some absolute crunches throughout the game. For a player whose career was in jeopardy because of concussion, for somebody that has always led with his head first over the footy, who's had to reinvent himself now as a winger and being able to just be selfless in himself to be able to put himself to this role to make sure he's just working on those little things, and is now a premiership player. And his goal, as you mentioned before, was the catalyst to really the onslaught that was going to happen at the end of the third and the begin and and the entire fourth quarter. He's well, like it's history in the making. Like it's going, is he, going to be etched into the history books for the Melbourne Football Club as being somebody that had such a pivotal role for. For the club and probably moments of his career by supporters at times has probably been yeah i'd say maybe a little bit dismissed but we know he loves the club it was great to hear him speak after the game about what it meant to him but far out he just it really just sums up what everybody has sacrificed their own game their own personal accolades that he can go in do those things and that mark going back with the flight you know the risk of getting a knee or a knock to the head, and to go back and to kick that goal and the emotion, the pure emotion on his face, for somebody that kicked one goal for season twenty twenty one, for his second goal for this for the year to be that goal was just oh, it's it's just it's beyond. Like I, don't, I honestly don't have words for it. It's his performance is just one of the great performances of all time Selfless. for Melbourne supporters, and I think it's going to be something that. Might not be heralded from an external point of view, but from an internal point of view, I'm sure from a club and from a su- supporters' perspective, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be talked about for years and years. And and um, now I'm so happy for him. And yeah, I think you've already you've already mentioned your love for him. It's um, no, nah, it's incredible incredible to see.
0: Notice as well the uh, Norm Smith curse. Uh, 57 years. The great Norm Smith passed away at 57 years of age and also the Melbourne Football Club in the two, 2021 grand final kicked nine goals, three, 57. So there's your interesting fact for the podcast. So is that, um, that's, that's a bit of fate? That, that is fate. It's fate and it's also it's it romance. is dismantled. It is every D uh, wording under the sun. Um Look mate, there's a lot of players to go through. There's. I, you say it's party time. It's time to commemorate what this football club has done. You could you could label 23 blokes. Now, thank you, Jimmy Jordan, too, because, mate, you've you've played a pivotal role this year because, mate, to be the sub in pretty much every game this final series, mate, that takes a lot of grit. Like, mate, you've just trained the house down to try and get a spot on the side, but you, you've had to be the 23rd man the whole time we thank you. You're a part of history, my friend. Mate, you're, you're fine. You're your season itself. You're a third year player and you've come in, you've played your role, you've been amazing. Thank you. And then I look at all the players, like obviously Norm Smith, Christian Pachaka. I love what you did with putting the medal underneath your shirt, mate. It it shows so much selfless character. Clark, Clayton Oliver, labeled as one of the most selfless players in the club. You're thunderstruck. I've seen it with all the videos, mate. Unreal. <laughs> Bailey Fritz kicked six goals in the grand final, number 31. Mate, Ron Barassi is so proud of you. Legend. Salem misses one target all game, 27 touches. Elite. Elite. <laughs> Let's go to Gus. We've spoken about how high Gus, Gus is on our life. Mate, if you haven't done so already, check out the post game pod. Not post-game pod, the uh, post-game interview with Gary Lyon. Top-notch. That bloke bleeds red and blue. Ben Brown. Let's go through Ben Brown, mate. The bloke play, debuted against his old club, North Melbourne, got the win. Happy days. Played three games, four games. Kicked about four or five goals. Still okay. Looked a bit shaky at ground level. Wouldn't really impact the contest. Shaky knee. Okay. Went back to VFL. Did pretty well. Got back in the side around round 17, 18. Look at him now, premiership player. Gets hang like? up the boots. Hang on. Let, let me, <laughs> let, me go, let me go. Let me go. Gets to gets to go to it. you know, says to explore his options. All right, mate. Well, that's all right. I'll find the premiership, premiership side. Happy days. Ben Brown, top notch. You've actually impact contests. You brought the ball to ground. You straighten us up. Thank you. Jack Viney finals based legend love you
1: can we can we just stick on vines for a second because that's that's who i was about to chime in for Go i love on. what he said after the game thinking about when he first got to the club in his first three games and about the yeah diesel stock of the competition probably in those first three games they got beaten by a combined about 250 points think about everything that he's given to this club as a former captain as our current vice captain, don't get me wrong, of, of a premiership side, being at the club for 10 years, given the family history, and whilst his on-field performance might not get the same accolades as a Christian Petrarca or a Bailey Fritsch, still to this, you know, we know as Demon supporters how important he is to this side. And you know, we mentioned earlier and in, in, before the final series about you know there was you know, he missed a couple of games because of a uh, one shitty choice in terms of what happened during a game, but it just goes to show like his competitiveness and his his mongrel bastard as we've mentioned so much this year, it, it really does sum up his role, of the ds, and and we, we we're not the same side without him, and I'm so happy for him in terms of his you know his particular career because it is so decorated in the fact that his name is synonymous with Melbourne Football Club. Uh, with with Todd and and with with himself and I'm I'm so happy for him that he's been able to experience this because he's been one of those demons that has been there since the really shit times and we talk about Jonesy and what he means to this club. He's been one of those blokes that got to the club when they were terrible and he's been there from the ground up and you can imagine and you can really picture how much this win would mean to him because he's really, he's, he's seen the whole nine yards, he's, he's been there the entire time, and it must be so much more rewarding to, what well, more rewarding, it must be so rewarding to be part of a club, being through a complete transformation from basket case to premiership side, um, I, can, I can imagine what he'd be feeling.
0: Hundred percent. And like as my doppelganger, like the bloke lives right through me. And you'll see with my profile picture if you haven't seen Simon James. Uh, and Jack Finey, myself, uh, very like. Um, not only him, but also Stevie May to play through a six centimeter, you know, tear through the hamstring. Like I think that's pretty amazing. And Cos Pickett, I know he didn't do much, but he's my favorite playmate. He's, uh he didn't do a whole lot in the granny, but just the little little things. Let's get into this Charlie Sparrow award because I think this bloke really deserves it. And he's a bloke that more so for the first part of the year was sub a few times. And I think the bloke's really going to be a great football player for this football club. And that man is Tom Sparrow. I think the Spaz, like he, he, he's still up in big moments, mate. He, that big goal, obviously team, I should have through the line, but not only that, but you know, to start the four fourth quarter, you know, he set the ball up for um for Benny Brown, even in the first quarter for Frida. Like, I mean, obviously could have been you know, shepherded through, but you know, real pivotal moments for that man. Good, got a good, really good penetrating kick and I think, you know, with some more time in the seniors, this bloke's going to be one of the fan favourites.
1: Definitely, definitely. As mentioned earlier before, he's yeah, Tom Sparrow is certainly somebody that we've, we've given a lot of credit to this year and probably you and me have, have certainly highlighted his attributes to the d's and really love what he's brought to the club and he's been one of those players that yeah he's been on the cusp of selection a lot this year and the fact that he's been able to break into the side and hold his spot for a grand final and yeah deliver in pivotal in pivotal moments in in that third quarter and and do a number of other things across the you know across the matter of the game is is just outstanding and probably probably the catalyst of somebody that took jones's spot you think about the way that he plays they do there's a lot of parallels between him and nathan jones's game and it's probably the person that has has really emerged as as jones's kind of i suppose protege and his heir to to his spot because he does he he, he's got a beautiful kick and being able to hit the scoreboard, and he's got a booming, booming boot. I mean, that that goal that he kicked again, similar to Petrarca, I mean, it's off a couple of steps from 50 odd out. Even though, as you said, McDonald helped, you know, get it across the line by putting some fantastic body work into Cordy. But it's not the first time he's done it all year as well, too. And I just think that he's, he's a very intelligent footballer. He's very versatile in terms of that. He's able to push forward, you know, kick a score. He's able to run with a couple of players. You know what he's going to do inside the contest in terms of you know, his intensity and his tackling pressure is in, is absolutely outstanding he's going to be somebody who's going to play some very good football for the melbourne football club for a long time so very well deserved and yeah we love to see it and i loved his raw emotion when he kicked that goal in that third quarter i mean the way that he yeah the way that he sort of exerted that was was amazing and you know that he's a real clubman and uh yeah a very young man and, and he's got a lot of good football to come so we are the podcast for fans, by these fans, and we are very grateful to have all our loyal listeners give us their input for what they thought was the most memorable moment in our drought-breaking premiership in our next segment, Fugazi. People are only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fugazi. You can do your best uh, the McConaughey. <laughs> no, I can't, but it's uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's woozy, it's a wazzy. <laughs> so we had a lot of responses here, and the first one I'm going to go through is, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Grant Smith sent through a fantastic email, really detailed about all of his feelings and emotions, big moments, and his memories from Saturday night I'm just going to touch on a couple of things that he knows. And the first thing I'm going to touch on is probably not so much from the game, but I really like what he said about the coaching team and I suppose a little bit more of the personnel behind the scenes of the Melbourne Football Club. So he says big congratulations to the coaches, to Darren Burgess, to all of these guys. They got the best out of this team, a healthy and fit team. So just hope Burgess's understudy has everything in hand. So we now know that Darren Burgess is now on the way back to Adelaide. Um, He's joining the Adelaide Football Club as part of their fitness team. He does have family ties in Adelaide. So that was probably one of the worst kept secrets in AFL this year, especially towards the end of the season. But I'm just going to read a couple of his big moments here. Jack Viney putting Jack McRae on his hind at the opening bounce. Stephen May letting Mitch Hannah know that this is the grand final as Mitch ran virtually into a brick wall and track opening his account with a bomb on the turn from 55 metres, which again, we touched on earlier. What a fantastic moment it was. Thank you, Grant. I know you did. You gave me a fantastic email with a lot of detail. I can't read the whole thing, but thank you for your input there. Next, we have from Joe LaMaria. says, can someone tell Luke Jackson that he is 19 years old and that he had no right to do what he did in the third quarter? Absolutely, I mean, his role in the third quarter and, and into the fourth quarter with his ruck work and his contests was just completely outstanding, and also a fantastic decision by the coaching team as well to leave somebody who's having such a you know a massive impact on the game to leave Gorney out of the ruck contest there, and and probably probably really discombobble the uh, the Western Bulldogs coaching team at that point, who would have certainly planned for Gorney to ruck predominantly of the game. To see Jacko then really play that large role and, and the Ds really benefit from his tap work and his ground work as well too and his follow-up work in the middle was yeah a real masterstroke of, uh, of genius from the coaching staff and, and really, yeah, it plays on the fact that whatever's working, you, you keep on rolling with that regardless of who your superstars are. So, well done. Thanks, Joe. Next, we have from Gary Little and he's got a little bit, again, from behind the scenes Says, I would like to acknowledge Peter Jackson and thank him for his service to our club. He came along when we were rock bottom and started the long road back to where we stand now. It took shorter time than expected. So thank you, Peter. And of course, Rosie, who obviously worked very hard with our culture, and which obviously didn't exist at that point. And new CEO, Gary Pert, who I wasn't very supportive of coming to our club, but he has proven that he's proven me so wrong. So thank you, Gary. To the staff in the office, I've had many, many dealings with them and they've been magnificent. I'm not just saying that because we are premiers. I've been telling that a lot over the past six years. To the board, the coaches, players, support, staff, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I was at the 1964 Grand Final and have been a devoted member all my life, traveling down from Wodonga almost every week for the last 20-plus years together with my family and we have four trident memberships so gary i'm not going to read the rest of your post but mate absolutely outstanding contribution to the club you're obviously a really devoted supporter and we're we're very grateful for one to have you listen and and really give a great contribution to the podcast but not only to the club as well too and I really, yeah, can't even underestimate how you're feeling right now with the success that you're seeing. I mean, obviously, being a part of the 64 Premiership would have been lovely, but now after such a long wait, it would be, yeah, absolutely outstanding to be to be part of this. And after such a long time, so thanks, Gary. And last of all, comes from our fantastic sponsor, uh, Jody Leonard, one half of Hop Hen Brewing, who says, yeah, Gus's mark in the third quarter. Which we touched on earlier as well was it was just such a telling moment and will go down in history as one of yeah I think in the Melbourne Football Club's history it's certainly such a telling moment in our premiership success and yeah it really epitomises what the D stood for this year and hopefully it's a sign of things to come. So-
0: Those podcasts, which you'd love to go on for for days and days. Um, look, I can I can just say that this this football club has really amazed me across the last you know especially the last twelve months. Like to think that you know we didn't make the the eight last year, and to be honest, I think it's kind of like a blessing in disguise. I think it sort of made us really want that that little bit more, and you know I think really. Finding hard all over the last two years has really made them want, really want it. Um, and to to really finish off the way they did. And the way they did it, to be honest, this final series has been a dismantling, a dismantling of other sides. Like it's, it, it's something you can just only just marvel. And the fact that you can say that Melbourne Football Club is a premiership team is something outrageous because... I, in my history, in your history, like I mean, we've had the 2000 grand final where you were what, maybe eight or nine. I was five, six. Like it's something that you don't highly remember at the time. 21 years from that point onwards, you become premiership a premiership team, and every other every other side, you know, they've they've said, oh, you're back for a pretty rubbish side, and you know, every name under the sun, and to 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 know now that. Mate, we're premiers. It's it's something pretty special. Look, I'm going to be signing off with a pretty sort of emotional finish here, but I can't wait for 2022 when we potentially could be no. playing in front of our crowd. And I think to be able to showcase what we've done in 2021 as well, just to be able to show our faithful how much it means. Like, thank you to the Melbourne Football Club for this year. It's been tough. I've started from round four turns into a flag (laughs) it must have been destiny mate and look we can't only wait
1: to make sure it is in (laughs) the flesh let's go days come on love it Simo, mate Mate, it's been absolutely unreal it's again it's it's still going to take some time to sink in and and i really can't wait to celebrate it with days fans alike Especially at the G, and I know the club is looking really hard into when everything opens up in Melbourne to be able to create the opportunity for D supporters to gather together and really embrace the moment and, and remember it because it's, yeah, it doesn't matter how many times we watch it, it's going to be incredible and can't wait to sort of experience that moment. But now nah, it's been incredible we're not we're not going away we're still going to have some pods coming out um in the next few weeks so this is uh definitely not the last pod but it's it's certainly the most rewarding thing and, and certainly something i didn't see myself recording at the start of the year and i'm sure many days supporters are feeling the same way as well too but mate appreciate your work all this year uh it's been a hell of a ride and yeah we talk about it at the start of the pod you know supporting the D's is a hell of a roller coaster ride and we mate we've hit the pinnacle we've hit the pinnacle and as you mentioned we as you mentioned we're uh we're far from coming on on the way down and we can't wait to can't can't wait to see what's ahead so thanks to all our supporters thanks to all the listeners make sure that you're enjoying every second of it it's been yeah an incredible experience and we can't wait to continue to embrace this moment um and i'm sure all of us will be just taking it in its stride for the rest of our lives so go ds premieres 2021 here we go YOO!